At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is how it always starts. <laughs> Hello! 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 Can you uh, believe it's already been a year since Robin I, passed away, by the way, since we're doing the hello from the Mrs. Doubtfire? Wow, that was a year ago? Mm-hmm. Wow. Doesn't that go fast? It does go fast. Anyhow. And there have been several of those kind of pop cultural icon, you know, moments that happen and you like, then you like honor those people and then you just kind of move on and you honor those people and you move on. It's kind of a, the, but the hello, the, give of life. the Mrs. Doubtfire hello is like, <clears throat> it's like one of those things that's always in my, yeah. it's always in my wheelbag. Absolutely. Wait. Well, my wheelhouse. Wheel my bag. bag of tricks. Bag of tricks. Wheel my bag wheel of tricks. Bag. <laughs> However you want to go with that is fine for you. Uh, welcome to a no longer safe edition of Shoe the Dough. Always excited to do these. And we're going to get right into our interview uh, with Tim Harlow, who is a uh, pastor, pastor of a mega church south of Chicago. And excited to have you hear this conversation because it went to we, some really fun and interesting places. We love asking people, like, well, so what's it like for you to be judged, for you to be mislabeled? Right, right, right. And we must say, this conversation was just such a welcome conversation. It was just an honest chat, mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of my favorites. So so we want to get right into that and let you hear that. Um, did want to mention before we get into it, thank you so much for making this possible. You may not know this, but uh, Shoe the Dough is a listener-supported podcast. It only happens because people give to us monthly at patreon.com. Mm-hmm. If you want quick links, go to aaronanddenae.com. You can click on the word Patreon. It'll take you right to where our people support us. You can see kind of the different levels of support and all that stuff and our goals for going three days a week. Also, thanks for joining us in the chat. If you sign in uh, to Mixler, you can chat right along with us. We will be live during this, even though we're playing a recorded interview. Because we'll, we had it yesterday. Because, yes, we'll be we'll be live chatting throughout the whole thing. So you're you know welcome to converse there, and that Chippy often chat. happens. Welcome to uh, Eric and Humberto and Caleb, and I think I saw H2. Brian in there as well. So thanks for joining us in the chat, guys, and we look forward to hanging out with you there. Um, let's boy, get let's get in right should, should we so just excited. get into this yeah, yeah i think we'll just we'll just play it for you and again thanks to tim harlow uh tim harlow and parkview church for uh for doing this with us we were really excited to make this happen so check this out all right just gonna give up and do skype we're giving yep. up we're we're going with skype although all right Technically, I think we're triumphing. <laughs> Absolutely. We're overcoming internet adversity. <laughs> yeah. That's how we go. Yeah. Well, Tim, thank you for your time today. It really is well, appreciated. We we appreciate the time to kind of check in and and sure. have a conversation uh, with us. Just to kind of give you Tell a ba- background yeah, on, on us and what we do. Um, so we do a podcast that we call shoe the dough, which is just a spoonerism for do the show. And the heart of the podcast is, well, it's a lot of different types of things, but the heart is to tear down walls and build bridges between all types of groups of people. So, um, one of the segments we do is called no longer safe. And it's where we go a little bit deeper with somebody from a particular 
let's say, segment of the population or click mm-hmm. or whatever that may face uh, being labeled or judged in some way and have just a conversation, just a connecting conversation about, you know, what life is like and, um, you know, the goal is not to come to any sort of, you know, world changing decision or anything like that. It's just to, you know, it open, could up, happen. open up lines of conversation. Yeah. One never knows when those life changing conversations will you happen. Never do. And you don't know who's <laughs> listening. So you really don't. It's really neat, though, because it gives us a chance to have a conversation where people can listen in and maybe, you know, learn about somebody or learn about something without feeling like um, there's a lot of like it's not a debate kind of a thing. Right. Right. So one of the things that we did is we made a list at the very beginning of these different types of people that we thought would be kind of really cool to connect with, like people that are in, you know, the sex industry or people Mm -hmm. who are uh, are have experienced racism. And one of the ones on our list was a mega church pastor <laughs> because <laughs> I found myself um, not always having been a Christian. I got to hear a lot of the stereotypical judgments against Christianity in general. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that kind of would come up from time to time is how mega church pastors would be like, well, they don't understand because they're, mega church pastors or yeah. it was really interesting. So I just made a mental note. And then when we started doing shoe the dough, I was like, I want to talk to a mega church pastor because <laughs> <laughs> those guys get mislabeled and they get judged hardcore too. So that was kind um, of yeah, one yes of the beginning no. conversations. I mean, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, start, yeah, start there then. How do you respond to that? You know, with the, the yes and no. Well, I mean, the, if there's a stereotype of anybody, I would say it's because there is a type whether it's a you know a, a, an age group, whatever the a gender, whatever the, whatever the stereotype is, it's usually rooted in some kind of a type that's that's legitimate. It's the problem is you know there may be one, and you know you may know one, and then you put the whole people. I mean, I guess that's the definition of a stereotype. The, the fact is uh, there are you know every, there's a jerk in every possible category of a person that you could come up with that's and so if that true. happens to be your friend then you know then that's pretty easy to lump people into that category so what do you hear is some of the things like that maybe you get a sense for now and maybe we let's start with your story tell us a little bit about how sure. you became to pastor a large church because that's what we're that's, talking about we're talking about pastoring yeah. a large congregation so tell us right. your story well that and and that is an interesting part of the story uh, the reason there's a stereotype is because you know people don't understand that almost every mega church pastor was also a small church pastor was also you know a youth pastor a whatever fill in the blank i mean i spent 7 years doing youth ministry and came to this church 25 years ago when it was 150 people and you know so it was the average size of a you know of a church in the US uh, you know most of the churches in the US are under 200 people. Most of them are under 100. So, I mean, I, w- I was there. I, w- I had, you know, one, w- we called them secretaries back then. I had one administrative assistant, you know, one secretary and a part-time youth guy. And we were a small church and we were struggling and we had a very limited budget and a crummy building. And so, you know, to, if you're going to stereotype me now because I have a 2,000 seat auditorium and, you know, a, a, a ton of staff, almost 100 people on staff and you know, a, a big budget, $10 million budget, blah, blah, blah. You, you got to realize uh, I didn't just walk into this thing yesterday. It got this way because um, God 
I believe, because God has done some things. And very little of that probably has anything to do with me. So uh, you get a guy in my category, uh, you're going to be, uh, you're going to find, you know, somebody that thinks they're all that and somebody that thinks, you know, they're, they're, they're the reason the church has grown and you need to come and hear me. And, you know, I'm, I'm the prophet, I'm the, I'm the guy. Maybe you're going to find those people. That's where the stereotype happens. And then you're also going to find people who realize that, you know, I'm just the same as my two brothers-in-law who, uh, you know, are, are in churches of 200, 250 people or anybody else that's in that category because I was there. And, and where I'm at now is only a part of the story. It's really incredible to think about how the group of people that has come together to lead your congregation. When you We talked about the size of your staff, just thinking mm-hmm. about what it would take to manage, you know, day in and day out. Because to a certain degree, it kind of becomes part part of a business really you have to have oh yeah you have to have a good business sense because you are handling not only you know the money that's given to the ministry but also people's paychecks and then the programs that go along with it that's a lot to do so i'm just my mind is just like my wheels are just spinning trying to think of like how if i was just dropped into it instead of growing into it like you did if right, you were just right. dropped into it, I can't imagine how overwhelming that would be. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work very well. And, the, you know, the problem is you can do that in business because you've got some guy with an MBA from somewhere who was trained to be a business leader. The problem in ministry is you're absolutely right. There's I mean, I, I'm, I'm the preacher. I'm the main voice and, you know, the pastor to a lot of people. But the, the, the bigger part of this picture in relation to most of the people in my congregation is not about the fact that, you know, whether I could do their wedding or funeral or go to see them in the hospital. The bigger thing that's going to affect them is if I'm making sure that the church is on track and the church is able to do their wedding and their funeral and see them in the hospital and that fiscally we're being responsible and that we're not, you know, in too much debt and we're, you know, doing everything legally that we need to do and that our staff is being taken care of. And and there's no training for that in seminary no. in any place. <laughs> no, you know? that's it's just a, a, you got to get in there and work it out. <laughs> learn. You, you got to learn. And, and you also have to hire uh, you have to hire different people and you have to have people around you that can do that. And, and even, you know, for us, we have a, a very strong lay leadership uh, system here, a board of elders. And uh, even that's been interesting because the elders that would, that were qualified to lead when the church was 500, you know, are now, I mean, they're still qualified spiritually, but what I really need now are CEOs of major companies that can, you know, take a look at a $10 million budget and say, okay, this makes sense and this doesn't. And so even, and from a staffing standpoint, you know, I mean, you grow through those phases. I mean, we had a children's director uh, from, you know, zero to 700, and then we needed somebody that could take us to 1500, and then we needed somebody that could take us to 4000. And now, you know, then we needed somebody that could take us on from there. And, and not everybody, not everybody in a, even in a ministry position can grow into those spots. Tim, what so is I the, think that's part of why you see the megachurch being, you know, a bit of an oddity. Right. Well, it's a huge, it's a huge moving puzzle. Everything's shifting. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Aaron, go ahead with your question. Cause I, well, was, I was just going to say, tell us what the church is. We haven't even uh, named oh, the yeah. church yet. Where are you pastor <laughs> at? Uh, it's Parkview Christian church. We're in the South suburbs of Chicago, about 40 minutes South of downtown. Non-denominational church, 
That I, was the other thing I was going to ask about is if there was, was any denomination. denominational oversight or if it's completely non-denom, uh, you know, yeah. so there's... It's it's completely non-denom. We're linked in with a, a tribe, we call it, you know, there's a, the Christian churches um, are, are all, there's 6,000 of us around the U.S. There's, there's a lot of us around and actually uh, a pretty high percentage of us end up being mega churches because of the independent nature. What you, what happens in a, in a non-denominational church, especially is a guy like me, who's got kind of a edgy entrepreneurial spirit can, <laughs> you know, can be turned loose a little bit to go do what he needs to do it, to, to grow a church in a way that, the uh, guy in a denomination sometimes has a hard time being able to do. And where do you guys uh, stand right now as far as numbers go? Like about how many people do you think come through the doors to worship on a given weekend? Uh, seven to 8,000. You know, I mean, it's summertime right now, so I don't know where we were this last weekend, but we, we were averaging about seven to 8,000 a weekend. And what are the practices of that? Do you do multiple services? You said you have a 2,000-seat yeah, um, auditorium? We, we have two campuses, and um, we are going to be launching a third as soon as we possibly can because the campus thing, you know, is definitely the, the direction that we want to go. But uh, we do have a we have a two thousand seat auditorium in a in a building that we built uh, just a few years ago. I guess we got into it about nine years ago, and um, so we run five services a weekend in there: two on Saturday night, two on Sunday morning, and one on Sunday night. Wow! So and. I have a question yeah. for you. I don't really know exactly how to ask it, so I'm just going to ask it the and let, just let it flow out of me. Fire away. Okay. So in my mind, I'm seeing kind of like one of those little charts where there's like, you know, like the multi-level marketing kind of thing where there's like the dude at the top and then there's all these little... Yeah, little, yeah. Yeah, okay. Except for that it's circular. And I'm just seeing like all these people that are connected to you somehow. And... Super weird. It, it's a lot, right? And And yeah. I can't imagine... Perhaps there are some people, maybe like famous people, who would step out of a door and have thousands of people like have some kind of a connection to them and they want to go over and say hello because there's yeah. been an impact. You know, you're delivering a message of hope and love and they're connecting with you individually, whether or not there's ever a conversation. At least we hope you're delivering <laughs> a message of hope and love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a real fire and brimstone guy. I'm, I'm pretty much into the hope thing, yeah. So, so I'm just imagining that there's so many people, thousands and thousands of people who have an emotion towards you or a connection to you. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how do you maneuver through the building on a, any given day where like you're not in, depleted. I guess there's just so much uh, people have access to you in this really in interesting way. I'm wondering how do you kind of just go through your week where you're getting recharged and then you have your whole staff is, that's got access to you. So there's just a lot of You're people. You're making me tired. Making me tired. <laughs> <laughs> I need a nap. Uh oh, Aaron, I did it again. I broke the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 a it's a it's a fascinatingly weird um, thing to live in, and you know I'm I'm pretty close to uh, Rick Warren and some other people that are you know, at a way different level than I am and still in that situation, you know, uh, recognizable worldwide, wherever they go. Um, I, and so it's not like that, but it is in, in a situation for me that it's, and I told the congregation this, I took a, a five week break. I went and preached at one other church, but I took, I take a break every summer because, and I, and I got up, this was my first weekend in, I said, you know, I, I love being back. I love being here, but when I'm here, my switch is on. If I go to Costco, if I go to a restaurant, wherever I go, my switch is on. 
I had a breakfast with a, a, a friend this morning and, you know, one of the servers came up and said, hey, you know, my daughter, you baptized my daughter and, you know, it just means so much to me and, you know, all, all these kinds of things. That is a common occurrence for me. And so uh, there does need to be time when I'm off, and right. when I'm switched off. And so, you know, I, I have to I have to manage that. And uh, oddly for me, my kids, are, you know, my, my three daughters are all grown, two of them are married one lives in Nashville, one lives in LA, and one's in Phoenix right now. So, you know, there's plenty of opportunity. If I'm going to see my kids and my grandkids, I've, you know, I've got to go away anyway. So That's the, good. <laughs> the problem, the trick for that is I have to manage schedule and manage expectations and figure out how to be here the right amount of time. Right. Um, the, the weird thing is there are, believe it or not, there are a lot of, uh, of guys in my category, people in my category that uh, are introverts. And that's not me. I mean, I don't, I don't mind, you know, if I'm at Costco and, you know, somebody comes up and, and starts a conversation. I mean, if I'm trying to buzz through in a hurry, you know, it's tricky. But I, I don't mind that because I'm an extrovert. I'm a, I'm a people person. Uh, you, you, Andy Stanley, for example. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys that are really highly recognizable that are just – they just really are introverts and they don't, they don't want to do that. And yet that is the expectation and, and at least – I'm not in that category because that's got to be really, really difficult. I don't know. And I've heard Bill Hybels up here at Willow Creek say that he had to go an hour away to have dinner with his wife without knowing he was going to be interrupted. And even at that point, he didn't, you know, he couldn't guarantee it. So you just kind of have to, you have to learn how to manage it because I've got to be here for my staff and, and for my people. And, and you also have to manage the rock star, um, you know, weirdness of you know people being excited to meet you because you mean a lot to them for whatever right. reason um there's a there's a ton of humility that has to come in that and and trying to be able to set people at ease as they you know as they are meeting this person and you know you're just you but they think you're special so it's a it's a weird dichotomy it really really is it's something i never planned on but. And that's part of, you know, when you see some of the judgments that happen or some of the labels that people stick on you or other, you know, mm -hmm. large church pastors, you know, a lot of that does come from that kind of rock star um, pedestal, pedestal type. appearance mm -hmm. kind of thing. Even if internally that's not who you are necessarily, yeah. that yeah. externally you can look at that and go, oh, look at the stage, look at all the lights, look at, you know. Uh, that's somebody who, even if you've never even given the indication, that's somebody who thinks they're important that they that they're walking around that stage. And and let me multiply it even more because uh, you know I mentioned the multi-site strategy. Um, I, you know, a lot of uh, most megachurches are using some kind of a multi-site strategy, and so then at some point you have to decide: Are you going to send a video signal over to another campus, or is that going to be you know another live preacher? And for practicality's sake, uh, a lot of us. Are sending video signals over to another church, so so you want to you want to take an easy shot at somebody. You can say, "Well, good grief, this guy thinks he's so all that that he's got to send his video over to another church instead of letting somebody else preach." And you know, the truth is, I have to decide. We have to decide. I mean, we have a team teaching approach here, but we have to decide if it makes sense for somebody else to spend time preparing a message and doing it, maybe in a way that won't be as effective as the people that we have on our teaching team over here, you know, so you have to, you have to measure where's the gospel going to be, you know, where's it going to go the best and the easiest and how's it going to work. And, and you're opening yourself up to criticism from the other side. You just got to know that. So I'm also imagining that you have to decide 
when you're going to duplicate yourself into somebody else, knowing that they can fully take a role and they don't, you don't need to be a part of, you know, whatever. And then also it has to be you. And as the pastor, there is a way that um, a pastor will deliver a message or will teach, um, preach, will paint the word picture and, and knit a relationship with God, with a congregation that is very individual. You know, you can go to school, but you know, God speaks through everyone very uniquely. And so Mm -hmm. if people are drawn to, uh, to God and because of the way that you're delivering a message that can't really be duplicated because it's coming from you. (laughs) Right. Whereas if, if there's like a meeting that needs to take place, you can send somebody that's fully capable of going and representing, you know, you or the, your, uh, your body to mm-hmm. like a, to like a meeting. So you can say, Oh, you can go do that. I don't have to be there in that meeting, or, but I do have to or do, might do a better job. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, for the key for me, and I think the key for most of the guys in, in my situation is what are, you know, figuring out what my strongest gifts are and maximizing them and then hiring around them. I mean, that's true in the business world. It's true. It's true in anything. As, as you rise up, uh, the, you know, to another level, you've got to you got to figure out what is it that's going to work for me? What is it that, you know, God has gifted me to do and what doesn't? And, uh, and so, you know, for 20 years, my wife was our worship programming director because she is a detail person. I mean, we, you know, God just put two complete opposite personalities together. She's a detail person. And if, you know, if you leave me in charge of my own life, I'm going to screw it up, let alone anybody else's when it comes to organization. So I have an incredible executive pastor who can speak for me and make decisions and go to meetings and go to village planning meetings and, and all those kinds of things. I've got a, a business manager that handles the finances that was a business manager for a construction company that did you know thirty million dollars worth of business every year and and he can run the i, I don't have any I, I don't have anything close to anything to do with the finances i mean i get it I get a check from here and that's it i you know i mean i I look at the budget, but this guy runs all that stuff because he knows how to do it and and then plus there's no you know, worry, uh, you know, for accountability or anything. I mean, th- that's the important thing for me uh, to be. So what I do is I'm, you know, I'm, I run the staff. I, you know, I lead the staff at the upper level, but my executive pastor does most of that. And there's a team under him and I preach and I lead and I, and I meet with our, our leadership and we decide big picture things. And that's, that's what I'm good at. That's, you know, that's what I'm not good at. That the problem for a lot of the guys in my position is um, and and the reason that their organization can't go higher, I think, or or larger, is because they can't let go of the things that they aren't as good at. Right. And that's one of the things I've always, I think, I've always been, you know, pretty adept at just letting go of the things that I know I can't do, and concentrating on the important things. And you you mentioned the you know I what I mean to people. We've been talking a lot around here even about bringing in guest speakers and all those kinds of things. We bring in guest speakers and they're great, whatever. But the phrase that's kind of stuck with me is uh, the congregation sees me because I've been here for 25 years. Um, they see me and, and I'm 54 years old. They see me as their dad. You know, they see me as their brother or their dad or, you know, maybe their grandpa. And, and that's kind of a, I think that's a pastoral figure that Jesus would be happy with. I mean, that's a, that's a shepherd kind of a thing. So, 
you know, again, back to the video thing, do, do, would they rather see dad on video or would they rather have this awesome, you know, guest preacher in from somewhere else? That's kind of part of what we're wrestling with too. How, how do we make that happen? And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot more responsibility on me, but that's, that's how they see it. That's how they feel. So yeah, I'm, we're trying to I'm sure there's a, a lot of weighing of a lot of those things. We talk a little bit about the, you know, the labels and, you know, kind of the, the judgment of different groups. And in this case, you know, as a, uh, a pastor of a large church, I'm curious, is that something you sense uh, just in a general way or have you had specific experiences where, you know, you've seen that firsthand where somebody has said, oh, you know, I, I assumed you were this way or, um, you know, had a direct kind of connection with that, or do you just kind of sense it in a general sense? Well, uh, there's, there's two things that play into that. What, the interesting thing is that in our area, I'm in the south suburbs of, of Chicago, where it is an 80% Catholic area. So they've never seen anything like this before. You know, mm. I mean, they ha- there are large Catholic parishes and, you know, and, and, and priests who, who have large crowds because of the way things go here. But having a, you know, an evangelical, having, having a, you know, a married guy that leads this church that, you know, in, in the Catholic church, there may be a lot of families there, but not that many people show up necessarily on a weekend. I mean, to, to see the parking lot and to see what's going on, they're not really in tune. They, they can't stereotype me because they have no idea what, <laughs> what category to put me in. You know, I, I'm an anomaly. Whereas if I live <laughs> it's in a new Nashville, creature. yeah, it really is. And that's kind of fun because if I lived in Nashville or if I lived in Dallas or, or you know, whatever, where, where they were used to this, I think the stereotype would, would be a lot worse. Um, so, so that's part of it. Um, what, what, the thing that, that I do feel and that I do hear that is tough to deal with is it's about motivation. The judgment of a megachurch pastor is often about their motivation. Why is it that they want to have another campus? Why do they want their church to get bigger? Why is it that you know they think that they are do they think they're so important to the kingdom of god that they need to keep expanding because the truth is you know in a lot of places and i don't think that's happening here but in a lot of places when um, a mega church is growing people are assuming that they're just getting the christians from other churches and other churches are dying because that one's growing and um, you know the stats i've just read on that are about 44% of a mega church comes from another church, and the rest of it is actual de-churched or unchurched people that they're attracting. So I'm pretty comfortable with that stat, but most people assume that you're getting bigger at the expense of someone else. That you're like so the Walmart of the church? You're the Walmart of the church. You're the Donald Trump guy who's coming in, you know, uh, throwing your weight around, you know, coming in here with this better product, and now all the you know, all the Dollar Generals are going to go out of business. No, and, nobody and, wants to be the Donald Trump guy right now. Nobody. Nobody no, wants to. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I, mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I fully understand. That's why I use that illustration, because, you know, you start you start throwing. But that's the whole thing. I mean, what, what you see about Donald Trump or, or someone like that, you know, at least forget forget politics. What you see about them from a business standpoint is that they're in this for themselves. They want to come in. They want to conquer. They want to they want to do all these things. And there's probably always, honestly, a motivation, a selfish motivation to anything that anybody does. And and I can't say that I've never 
you know, I've never wanted to be on a, you know, 100 largest churches list or wanted to be, you know, a published author that people read or wanted to be. I can't say that those were never a part of the motivation. But at the, at the, bottom, at, at the, at the bottom line of my motivation is I want to reach people for God. And, you know, so the, it's, the, it's the motivational judgment that is the problem. That is, I, don't care, I don't care what they think about the rest of it. That is so refreshing, for me to hear, Tim, I, I that that really spoke to me because you're coming at it as a multifaceted, multi-layered person who says, yes, of course, I think about book deals and this other stuff. You know, of course, that stuff is a part of it. But you have to know my heart is centered on the ultimate purpose. I think that's important to say, because I, I have heard, you know, it's easy to say, I should say it's easy to say, oh, that stuff has nothing to do with it. You know, I've never even thought of that. But I really appreciate the you know, the vulnerability and honesty to be a kind of person who says, yeah, of course I think of that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, it's the fact that you're willing to admit that part of your humanity that's like, of course there's this going on that makes you attractive to more people. I can see why people would be attracted to go and sit underneath that kind of an attitude of humility because it's what draws people together is our willingness to be wrong, our willingness to not have it all together. You know, when you were talking mm -hmm. earlier about, you know, I don't know the best way to do finances, so I'm going to get somebody involved that's better at that than I am. You know, just that willingness to have flaws. And that's the part I think that can be diffusing about labels is when someone can hear an individual voice, you know, that can kind of come out and say, I'm just a person like everybody else, but this has been what has been given to me. This is this is now the development of my life. This is where it has led. And you're exactly right. This is how I'm working through where I have been led. And for you, it has led you to be a shepherd to thousands and thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And for someone else, they might be a shepherd to 10 or 15 in you know, a dark place. And yeah. we're all carrying somebody's misplaced judgment because people can't see our hearts you know, they're going to go off of what they know and, and some of their own woundings from their past, you know, and so grace extended to those people as I've come across them in my life, like, oh, I can see why you would think that, but no, that's just not, you know, that's not me. And I always have to cling to this. I'm like, okay, God, you see my heart, right? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. ultimately it's just an audience of one at the end of the day. It is. It, and I don't, I don't want to direct this conversation the, the wrong way, but I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, the big issue for a lot of churches and a lot of things right now is this whole, uh, how, what are we going to deal with, how are we going to deal with marriage and the LGBTQ community and, and all those things. And, and it's the same thing for me. It's a stereotype of anything. You know, it, it, when this issue, you know, we first started thinking about gay marriage and these things started happening, um, I, I assumed from, you know, what I could see of that community that their intent was to come in and, and to destroy the family and, you know, destroy the church and, and all these kinds of things. And then I got to know some of them, you know, and I got, I, I've got friends, a, a, a gay couple that are, that are good friends. And, you know, it's a completely different thing. They, they, they didn't care about how the Supreme Court ruling went. They are living their life. And, and 
they're human. And I, I believe that's what Jesus gave us the example of, you know, let's, let's stop throwing everybody in a category. Oh, they're a tax collector. Oh, they're a bad person. Well, how about if you just hang out with them for a little bit, and try to figure that out. Exactly. You know? Oh, you mean Marla? Yes, she is a tax collector, but she's also mm-hmm. this, you know, oh, you mean that person? Right. I'm glad you, you know, brought that up. And that's I, our heart, man. That's, that's exactly that's right. Where we're at. Yeah, because there is so much, the complexity of living and loving people, it's too complex. We can, we can try to make general good calls that we kind of feel like we can, I'm going to make a call here. I think that, I think I'm going to go in this direction, or I think I'm going to say that this is how I feel about this. But the complexity of love, the complexity of life, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine just a couple days ago, who is not a Christian but she's one of the most Christian people that I know. You know, she just, mm-hmm. her yeah. capacity for love is really, really astounding. And she challenges me to love deeper. So she doesn't. She's a, she's a lot like Christ without realizing he's the reason that she yeah. wants to be it, that way. That's exactly right. And <laughs> yeah. we were having this conversation, very similar. And she was talking about the complexity of judgment, how she's like, we're not meant to judge. And I'm just smiling to myself. I'm like, she has no idea, you know, what is in this <laughs> sacred text that we hold so close which is that we're not meant to judge that's just part of that's not our call we we have to shepherd people we're given charges in our life and we try to make a good call but it is a very um dynamic thing and so we had a really great conversation at the end of it she and i are talking about you know god and how i define god and things like that but it was because i was willing to just you know chat with her um we actually had uh, somebody on our podcast who came out uh it was a our podcast on um what's it is it titled is it just titled homosexuality Homosexuality, yeah okay Mm -hmm. his name is brian he's a friend of mine and i said hey brian you know we're doing this podcast we want to talk to people and just remove labels and i know you're a christian i was wondering if you'd be willing to talk with us and he thought about it for about a week and a half said yes and he actually met us at the studio and he recorded with us and he came out as gay on that podcast. And we didn't wow. know that he hadn't come out to the community I think yet. There were people in his circle of friends knew. His partner yeah. obviously yeah. knew. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. for the people at church, they didn't know, you know, because mm-hmm. he just had to be so careful uh, because of the, the backlash. And so it was really nice to just be able to extend a hand and say, let's just have a conversation. Let's. Let's just talk and and meet on a level. So I I appreciate that you that you went there and that and that your example is that you're you're meeting people and you're realizing that it is a complex thing. Yeah. Everybody's complex. Yeah. Do you have anything like, you know, you talk about being, you know, friends with the gay couple and having these conversations and and when you shepherd 8000 people. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance, uh, a, you know, a percentage of them are going to disagree with, you know, the decision you make, maybe a person you hang out with, maybe something you do. How often does that even enter your mind? Do you think about that? Do you think, oh, I guess the, the core of the question is, how much do you think about appearances? You know, what is this going to look like? Um, it's, it's kind of fascinating because after 25 years and at my age, I, I believe that um, I'm I'm starting to everybody, you know, again, I'm not going to say I don't, I don't care what people think about me, but the only way that we've gotten to this place was by not being too concerned about people's perceptions. And, um, you know, President Obama recently used the N word in a conversation and, you know, caused a big uproar. And, uh, the, the big conversation was, 
um, that that was something that Obama would have never done in his first term. But he is in his second term, so he's a little bit more free to say and do the things that he wants to do and not worry about what people think. And I've kind of been sharing that with my staff around here. I feel like I'd like to go another 10 or 15 years doing ministry, but one way or another, I'm, I'm in my second term. And, <laughs> and so it's, you know, I'm second term 10. That's kind of what I'm kind of what I'm thinking about. So I think um, at this point, it's a lot easier for me to press forward. I mean, when the church was smaller and I was younger, I would have to, you know, I would, I wasn't even sure what, what God wanted me to do necessarily every time. And I'm, I'm still not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's, it's really a lot easier for me now the church is established. People know who we are. Or they know where we're going. The hard, the hard time for that is when you're when you're young, when your church is in a growing place, and you're not even sure what the vision is, where you're supposed to go, and you're gonna, your naysayers are gonna are gonna are gonna be a problem. For me, at this point, I, I just can't think about that. I mean, I, I've got I've got God to answer to. I've got a good group of elders and staff around me that hold me accountable and can and can tell me when. You know, I really am wrong because that's going to happen too. But just because somebody didn't like the way I, I you know, I dealt with it when I, you know, uh, I talked about the SCOTUS decision or somebody didn't like, you know, that I said this word or somebody that doesn't like my humor or whatever, I, that that's just water off my back at this point. It just, it just runs off. I, I can't, I can't think about that. I got bigger things to deal with. That's really encouraging for me because even though, so I'm 34 but mm. I want to be in my second term now. Like I just, <laughs> I can we just start the second term today? I, yeah, I was yeah. really scared when I uh, when I became a Christian because I was like, oh no, here come all the rules. Oh no, mm. here come all of the expectations of how I'm supposed yeah. to be. And yeah. I really haven't embraced that very well. I'm just myself, and I, I find that to be very encouraging because appearances. Like you, I don't want to upset anybody just by being myself, but just yeah, by being myself, purpose. I am going to upset somebody because right. I can't be what everyone's perfect version of me is. I can only be myself. And so there's a real freedom when you realize that you are made individually, you are made, you know, wonderfully and fearfully, and God has a plan for you. And it's going, you're going to be expressing your life very individually and then at the same time, you're part of a greater, you know, group. So I like that you are, I like your response. I want to, I want to have that kind of thick skin. <laughs> it's I not, do. It's not easy. No, and it's the, not. The, the reason that a lot of, a lot of people don't get to the place where I'm at is because they can't, they can't take criticism. I mean, especially, I mean, you'll find a lot of mega churches that, were started by, you know, a founding pastor person, a, a Bill Hybels, a Rick Warren, or whatever. They, you don't find very many megachurches that were 40-year-old existing congregations with 150 people in them that turned around and became megachurches. Uh, that's the oddity of where we are. And I tell, you know, I tell people this all the time when I teach, you know, other pastors, when I teach church leadership, you got to, I mean, if you know the disc profile, my D and my I are off the charts at the top and my S and my C are at the bottom, meaning I'm a, I'm a very strong personality who loves to have fun and, you know, can't organize things and has a very low mercy gift and all, all those other things. I'm a, I'm a quirky personality. I am a, per, I'm, I'm a person who could keep bashing their head against the wall 
and and do it until the wall came down and and that's kind of how a turnaround church has to be so it's it's not easy to do this and i i don't you know i don't want anybody else out there thinking well if i just stay longer or if i just you know if i just gut it out i mean it's it's hard it's really really hard you got to have a a stubborn bent to your personality to be able to do the things that that we do i know uh i still want to be like you <laughs> I still well, want to. I still want to do just it. Don't know me well enough. That's the problem. <laughs> you haven't deterred me quite yet. <laughs> it, it really is uh, interesting to think of being in that position where so many more people are watching. Like I, you know, as somebody who's been in radio, and I'm also on television every week here locally too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do movie reviews. Um, you know, I've seen a little bit of that in the community, recognition, that kind of thing. And it's just hard to imagine having to be on, because I'm one of those introverts you speak of, by the way. Yeah. When I get in into outside of my cave, uh, I retreat. You know, I just... I've sure. had to remind him in certain public situations, I'm like, Aaron, turn your switch on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that's a good analogy, isn't it? The it, switch. It, we've actually used that. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. We went to a conference, and I remember just being like, okay, I know this is not lo- like, you know, your norm, but you got to be on. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm on, it is draining because it's not my default, you know, to be on. It's draining. It's draining when I'm on. Yeah. And it is. So, yeah, it people don't understand what what the people sucking energy is that drains from you when you're in those situations. I think I think it's interesting, though, because if if people can realize just how we are not equipped to love every single person fully. I remember talk. Oh. We can't like we cannot. We can't no. do it. There's not a way for me to love everyone. I can have a love for everybody, and I can have an appreciation for people. You can have an understanding of their value as a human being. Exactly. Yeah. But I can't answer the phone for everybody, and I can't. You know, then there would be nothing left, and that's where I'm like, aha, uh-huh, another understanding of why Jesus is important. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. You oh, know. Yeah. Exactly. Because he and can why do the it. body is important, and yes. that, you know that's that's the thing that. You know, any any pastor, any Christian has to understand is that, you know, everybody has to do their part and then it's not all going to fall up upwards to the top or it's not all going to fall to, you know, the, the gifted people to try to take care of those things. Well, there are people that you're supposed to be connected to and people I'm supposed to be connected to. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to work. Exactly. And the fact that you're plugged into a body that is moving, that is that large, the impact that you're the lifestyle that you're in, it must be really fascinating. I know that there's exhausting components to it. I'm sure it's also absolutely invigorating at times and very electric. Absolutely. Oh, you bet. Uh, and for a guy like me that, you know, that is an extrovert and that, that I love to preach. And I mean, public speaking is the number one or number two fear of most people in, in the world. And it, it, I love it because I, it's what God gave me to do, and you know I, I can do it every weekend. It, it just doesn't bother me at all. I love doing it, and I love hearing stories of how God uses it. So mm-hmm. um, it, it is invigorating. And, and again, you know, I don't mind being in the place where I'm at now. It's really, really nice for me to have a staff around me that can make up for my deficiencies because back in the day, you know, when I was the only guy, I had to do everything, and yeah. that was also draining. And hey, I don't mind that I make more money than I did back in that day and that I'm able to, you know, I'm able to travel and I'm able to do these other things and I'm able to hang out with, uh, you know, influential people. I I don't mind that. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I'd I'd rather be where I'm at than to be where I was when I was 35. Absolutely. 
I, I would. And but isn't that the it's goal? It's just a different animal. That's the that's the thing. It's like you want to be progressing your life. It's just for some mm-hmm. people, the progression is on the um, a grander scale of having far more influence. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything? Is there anything about being a mega church pastor that somebody who isn't one, you know, would never think of? You know, an interesting part of what you do Ooh, that something is, no one would know. Yeah, or mm. not necessarily no one would know, but you know, comes to you as something you you know that uh, that most people wouldn't realize about being in your position. Well, the only thing that really comes to mind is what we already talked about. It's just the it's just the on off deal. It's it's what 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 it what it's like to you know to go into a, a restaurant to go into wherever you are and and know and and here's the here's the side of that 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 people don't really get i have to walk in everywhere i am anywhere around here and and know that there are probably people that know me so i'm i'm it's not just about having a conversation the on part is about, you know, making sure I'm not picking my nose when I'm walking <laughs> through Costco because, you know, I mean, I, I've, you're always, had to, I've had to. You're always on the Jumbotron. I am, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and, I, you know, I'm literally in HD, you know, on my screens and, and I'm kind of in HD for, for everybody else. So it's, it's a very, very weird, it's a very weird thing. And, and honestly, I would say, I, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be, you know, a, a real rock star, to be a real movie star, to be one of those people. And, you, you know, you see them in their sunglasses and their baseball hats and, and you know, they, they live in gated communities and all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. I mean, I get that to a certain degree. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's harder than you think. We have a, a, I have a good friend here that, uh, that was in the Major League Baseball. He was a pitcher for 12 years. He played with the Cardinals for three years. He's, you know... Uh, had two World Series rings. Um, not not a guy that you know, like was an all star, but you know, pretty recognizable baseball figure. And I went and hung out with him at a game. He was playing with the Mets, and I went down to St. Louis and and hung out with him for a weekend and got to see the inside of what a baseball player's life is like. And you know, going to the going to the motel every night. You know, trying to come up with something to do. I mean, he's a, a good. He was a good Christian married man his name's Braden Looper he uh, he's a great great guy you know so all the temptations that are being thrown at him I, I hung out with him and I you know on 180 games uh, you know uh, 160 games whatever it is uh, a year I started to see the grind of being a major league baseball player and and nobody gets that until you've done it and yeah it's great that he made millions of dollars and it's cool to be you know a hero and and all those kinds of things but you can't understand what it's like until you've been there and if i you know if i could say something you know to everybody else about what it's like to be a mega church pastor i would say the same thing yeah we we make better salaries yeah we have more opportunities to do some things and it's a it's a grind. There's there's a grind to it. There's, there's no doubt about it. There's that element of I know just the other day uh, I was at a movie screening and I got into a little I mean, it wasn't big or anything, but somebody else thought they deserved the seat that I thought I deserved. Like we had got yeah. it into a crowded theater at the same time. Yeah. And we yeah. kind of had a little standoff, you know. Yeah. And right afterwards, I'm thinking I, I can't. Like, I can't do that. Somebody recognize me and all of a sudden, every time they see me on television or hear me on the radio, it's, oh, I know that guy. You want to know what he's really like? 
Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. and I, and that oh. is the sole reason, even before, you know, that that happened to be that I tell people when they have those interactions with somebody, you know, who and and they say, yeah, you know what they're like in person. I say, you know, what, you may have caught them at the exact wrong moment. You just exactly. you just never know where they're at in their day. Yeah. And uh, and I would hope we'd be able to give that grace. But do you feel that, too? Absolutely. That's exactly it. And, um, it, it, you know, there's just nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do with it except know that it's probably going to happen. And if I do something dumb, you know, I'm just hoping that n- nobody nobody around me knew who it was. <laughs> inevitably, you know, inevitably it will be somebody. Or you know? if I mean, they that, do know who you are, that they know that it's like that they're OK with it because they're like, yeah, cool. There's my human pastor. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, you guys talked about the humility thing in the first place. That's why I preach that way. That's why I talk about. You know, I talk about my flaws. I joke about my my stupid stuff. I mean, I showed a picture in this sermon this weekend of of uh, the boat police pulling me over on the Lake of the Ozarks because <laughs> you know it was funny. It was a funny story, and I was with my two brother in laws, and we just had a broken light. I mean, it wasn't like we were drunk boating or you know <laughs> speeding or something. But but I, I want to do that on purpose because I want them to go, "Wow, my pastor got pulled over." You know. <laughs> Um, I, I want them. I want them to get that. I mean, we didn't get a ticket. Our light was broken. He helped us. It was all good. But to show a picture of a boat with you know red and blue lights flashing on it and realize that my pastor's in the other boat, that that to me speaks of uh, a humility that I can say. You know, sometimes I get pulled over. Sometimes I do bad things. Sometimes I'm I'm an idiot, and um, you know I can't. I mean, I preached this weekend on seeking first the kingdom of God. And I, and I said, uh, and I told the story, I said, before you think I'm judging you, you need to know that I went in for a sleep test this last week because I don't sleep very well. And, and I, you know, I joked about it a little bit and I said, you know, what they may do is they may come back and tell me, you know, I need more oxygen. They may tell me I have a you know, grinding teeth thing or a restless leg thing, or they may just come back to me and say, you know what, you really ought to just seek first the kingdom of God and let all these things be added to you because, you know, uh, maybe I don't sleep well because I don't do this verse well either. And, and when I can preach that way, I think everybody, you know, if, if they don't hear it as judgment, if they hear it as, hey, I'm with you and I'm on this journey with you and I believe this is the best way and I don't always do it the right way, but I believe it's the best way, then there's, there's grace given if they do see me out and something isn't right. There's another interesting part of this on the other end of that spectrum which is I want you to give me grace, but I don't necessarily want you to give me permission. You know, there's this idea sure. that happens with a lot of people that are in public eye that they never realize they're doing anything wrong because everybody because everybody molds to their mm-hmm. version of what mm-hmm. they think they should do. And so mm-hmm. there's there's also that element of yeah, I want to be humble and let you know, you know, this is who I am. I don't want you necessarily thinking that's right all the time. Like I make mistakes and they're mistakes, you know? So there's that element of it as well. And I sin and, and that's, uh, that's why it's important for, um, yeah, that's why it's important for me to have accountability. Not just, I, I have accountability, not just within, you know, my congregation, but especially there are three other mega church pastors that, uh, about 10 years ago, we linked arms together and decided we were going to hold each other accountable and we, we were going to, you know, be in each other's business. And so we're internet accountability partners. You know, if I, if I went on a porn site on my computer, 
my uh, brother-in-law and a pastor in uh, Maryland would get an instant email saying, hey, you better check in on Tim. He's doing something wrong. And, and, and even at a deeper level than, than that, I mean, I've got, I've got those guys in my life when it comes time to make decisions and, and how is this going and, you know, what am I going to do with my money and what am I going to do with my time and how, how are these things happening? It's important for me to have accountability because it is easy. You, you are authoritative when you get to this point and it's easy to just say, hey, this is who I am and, you know, you people need to deal with it and it's okay. You know, and, I like that you said that you've got, I mean, I think most people do seek an accountability group uh, of some kind. And I like that you said you've got like a few people because there's a difference between being vulnerable and showing the sinning circle, <laughs> your, your, your sinner side, the things you struggle with, to a mm. mass audience who doesn't know how to process it versus oh, yeah. showing it to people who can go, I totally understand why you would want to go look at that site or whatever. Let's talk mm-hmm. about why, because you dig out, you dig out the roots. It's not, it's, right. you know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah. I think it's so important for you to continue to have, you know, a, the element of vulnerability with your audience where you could walk out picking your nose one day just to prove a point that we're all human and that's mm-hmm. fun. And it sends that message of I am a human and I have things that, you know, we are, we can't be perfect, whether it's in the eyes of society or because I made a bad judgment call and yelled at my kid the other day and had to apologize. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to show humanity versus our intense vulnerability where we get poked and, and we have struggles and then just having a few people that you know you're safe with. That's yes. a, that's so, so important because we're going into a season of um, transparency in the church on a totally different level where the younger generations they really want to talk about the deeper things instantly. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to understand that you can be transparent and you can be vulnerable, but you still have to be safe. So it's not denying that you have stuff to work on. It's not, it's being human with people, but then also being your true struggling self with just a few. That's my opinion. I like to talk about it and that my goal is not necessarily to be transparent, but to be translucent. You know, that, that my goal isn't that you see everything about my life. Yeah, yeah, my goal is yeah. that, that I show you enough to that you see the light shining through, you know, that yes. you see the, the Jesus standing good. behind you. Yes, I will exactly. Steal that. that is very good. Yeah. I will steal that. Feel and, free. Uh, and, uh, you know, not tell anybody where I got it. And I'm, just, I'm just confessing <laughs> yeah. to you right now. You heard it on Shoe the Dough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just confessing. It's, um, the, the, the part of it that, that is the tricky balance is like I said, if I'm a father figure, if I'm a, you know, a, a, if, if I'm a, an authoritative figure, they don't, they don't want to know, they don't want to know that I was pulled over for drunk driving. You know, they, they don't, that's, um, they, that if, I mean, that didn't happen, but if it <laughs> happened, you know, I mean, I would, I would need to figure out how to process that. And, you know, the, like you said, th- there's a sense in which, you know, we all know, I mean, there's so many stories of pastor failure. Uh, everybody, as soon, as soon as you go too far over that line and start looking like you're too human, then they're just waiting for, you know, the news report to come out that you've been having an affair or whatever else. So there is, I mean, I want my dad, I, I want my dad to be human. I keep using that. It, it's weird that I'm using that because the Catholics, you know, the Catholics in our congregation call me Father Tim every once in a while <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> Because they're used to it, but 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 there's a sense to where you know that that is a figure uh, to you know I want my, my dad to be a real person and have a real relationship with me, but I also want him to be good, 
and I want him to show me how to live my life. Yep. So that's that's the that's the tricky balance of it is is how you do all that. Man. And of course, the the bottom line for that is I need to be good and I need to be living my life the best I can to serve Jesus and and to love my wife and to be a good father and to be a good friend. Uh, I need to be doing it. You, you you can't fake that stuff. People will see through that. And there's a uh, there's a tendency even for that to stretch beyond the morality aspect into the theological aspect as well. You see, you know, um, I think of Rob Bell, you know, writing Love Wins and asking right. some really tough questions and all of a sudden he's a pariah, you know, yeah. because yeah. he was asking questions about hell yeah. and, and, you know, how could a, a omniscient loving God, you know, justify yeah. with a hell and i think those are valid questions to explore yeah, and discover are. you know but yeah. but now you look at how the you know christian bubble so mm-hmm. to speak views rob bell and that's you know so there's there's that danger in in different avenues too oh it's it's, it's huge with a with a rick warren i mean you know i can't tell you how many you know people i mean we we do uh, we're getting ready to go into africa into a country and work with saddle back on some stuff over there and you know people send you these articles about how you know how bad rick warren is because he's been trying to do these things until you get to know these people there's just no way for you to really understand who they are and what their motivation is and it and it's just it's really ridiculous and it's sad but people like to throw stones it they do but i think you know we continue to try to in the ways that we are allowed to have influence change that culture and say, yes, you might be making a judgment call right now, but reserve the full judgment and, and really give yourself the truth, which is there's no possible way for you to know the entire truth. Mm-hmm. You, you don't there's you have to be willing to admit that if you're going to make a judgment call, part of it has to be assumption because, yeah. you know, you, we can't really fully ever understand. I saw this really great picture and it had like a light shining on an object and on one wall, the object was circular. And on the other wall, the object was uh, square. And the object was shaped in such a way that with the light hit it in just that way, it would shine in two different ways and it would show two different shapes. So the truth was that the object was multifaceted and it mm-hmm. appeared one way on one wall and one way on the other. So for somebody looking on the wall on the left, everyone's saying, it's a circle. And for yeah. the other people looking on the wall on the right, they would say, it's a square. And they're so, so convicted about it. But, you know, we can... We, but it wasn't hypocritical. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't duplicity on on the part of the object. It just appeared different to different people. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I think that that that's beautiful. I, I I love that because you know, I am going to look one way to a a an, un, an unbelieving person is coming in from the outside that doesn't have any idea about anything about Christianity, and I'm going to look another way to the person that's coming from a you know, conservative Baptist church that's walking in here that has expectations. And they're, you know, they're both going to see me in a different light. And it's not me being, you know, it's not me having duplicity. It is the fact that I'm a multifaceted person. So it's that translucence that Aaron was saying. It's being, it's (laughs) being that translucent person so that it's Christ that shines through. And then they have their own revelations as their journey walks out. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Tim, we have, we, you have been so generous with your time. Thank you for, for hanging with us for so long. We love talking about this stuff. We do usually finish uh, with one question in these, in these conversations, which is, as you look at your kind of, um, let's call it subgroup of people as a you know, megachurch pastor, what is mm-hmm. the uh, one thing that the general 
Christian audience, you know, just kind of the general Christian body can do to help you, um, you know, be better at who you are and what you do that can help give you the, the grace or whatever that you need to do what you do? It's work with us. And even if it's not, here's what I love to hear. Even if it's not, I'm going to go to that church. It's, I'm not going to talk bad about that church. I, I love it. I have, I have pastors that tell me, you know, I met this person and I told them, you know what, you ought to just go to Parkview because they've got the things for you that are going to help you, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the, the Celebrate Recovery Program or the whatever. I, I love meeting somebody like that. And there are times when I meet somebody and, and they, you know, they're like, I'm not sure I could do a large church. I, I'm free to say, here's, here's five churches I would suggest that you go try. What I'd, what I'd love for the body of Christ to do is to not lump anybody into any category and say, this is the kingdom of God, and when we get to heaven, there's going to be a multitude no one can count, and we're all going to be hanging out together. And whether, whether somebody is ministered to at a large church or a small church or a, a communication style that does expository preaching or topical preaching, you know, split it up however you want to do. Can we just all agree that we're all on the same team? And we all have a job to do. If you don't like a large church, don't come. It's all good. If you don't like my personality, don't come. But but don't talk me down to the people around you because your neighbor or your person in the cubicle next to you might exactly be the right person that could be ministered to by my place. And if you're talking down the kingdom, I mean, it just, you know, the kingdom divided against itself can't stand very nice good stuff man i didn't want to get emotional but that like brought tears to my eyes because i felt like that was Mm. just like a such a true message like we could have a conversation for days (laughs) we could chat for days (laughs) let me know i'll be down there i'll come and do it i'll meet you on the lake we'll get arrested it'll be awesome that sounds great yeah perfect (laughs) no scandal in that one at all I'll wear a I'll wear a bikini. It'll make the news. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> God yeah, help us. There won't be a camera. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Somebody should really tell me when to just shush. <laughs> Leave it to Danae <laughs> to end with suggesting a bikini party to the mega church uh, pastor. That's a whole other conversation. That's for another episode <laughs> of Shoe the Dough. Yeah, that was so good. I Man. I love talking to Tim. He was great. In the chats, uh, Brian is in the chat. Chat Brian McIntyre Utter in the chat mm-hmm. mentioned Life on Mission, which is Tim's book. Yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, I think it's just lifeonmission.com is the link that you posted to that. And we're so thankful for Tim and what he did and uh, coming on. And just something to kind of keep in mind as you look at different churches, I think we all kind of get to that place where we look and we go, I wonder what their motives are. I wonder what they're doing with that money. And Probably jets and planes <laughs> and mobiles and boats. I, and I love that he said sometimes that's true. So well, sure. Not everybody is has can, the same motives. And can't we all just agree that if we had like a Corvette Viper Mustang blend. I have no, I have no Speed desire. Car. I'm 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 probably the strangest guy in the world. I have no desire to have a, a sports car. Okay, what would yours be like? A mega computer or something? Yes, yes. <laughs> Monster computer. <laughs> um, also, also fun in the chat. Um, I, I'm outvoted. I guess being half podcast okay. and half radio is is radcast. This is really exciting for me because I have been butting against Aaron calling it a patio show. It is a patio show. Half because podcast, half radio. 
I like audio. I either like Radcast or Radicast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, Radicast sounds a little too much like the character from The Hobbit. So, Radicast the Brown. So? I don't know. I'm that just saying. That character is also amazing. Uh, we love the fact that you guys interact like that, and uh, I will always call it a patio show. There is no stopping me, but thank you for it, and we appreciate it. At least I know I've got some backup, though. <laughs> if it right. went to an official that's vote, right. our podcast would likely be switched from Shoot the Dough live or later, because uh-huh. you can listen live here on Mixler or later in your podcast feed. Right. Then you always say, it's a patio show. I might have enough backing to have it called oh, a Radcast. Listen, I've got votes for Patio right in the comments right now. What? So I'm just telling you. H2, it is not, why it did is you not do that? Solved. Thank you either way, <laughs> whether you tune tune in live or tune in later to the show. Thank you so much for doing that. As always, if you want to hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae, it's a great way to keep the show going and expanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that starts at a dollar a month. Yeah. And that makes a big difference to us. Also, we should let you know there is bonus content for every episode. Uh, that is up just for people who support the show. You'll never hear what happened last week unless you do that. Mm-hmm. It's a buck a month. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. There's some good stuff there. So thank you for that. And uh, you can check out much, much more at AaronAndToday.com. We'll be back on Friday to talk uh, some pop culture with the man from Uncle. Um, Who's the guy from Uncle? The man from Uncle. Not the guy from Uncle. The man from Uncle. We'll talk about that then. There's a place called Uncle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where he's from. UNC. Is that our is that our guest? That's our guest. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the man. He's the man from it's a What's it's an name? acronym. Uncle is an acronym. Do you know what it stands for? I am really confused. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Tune in Friday <laughs> to find out. Oh, the man from Uncle is that movie that I'm supposed to go see. That's right. <laughs> oh, now you're getting it. It's gonna be a good show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh we'll check you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.